your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's take a little listen to uh, just a, a clip of Joe Biden in Louth yesterday. Proud, you know, uh, she uh, Louth held such a special place in her heart, and it really did. And today uh, we carry her home in our heart, for real. We think about her all the time. And uh, coming here feels like uh, coming home. Okay, I'll play it again just so that you can understand the reference there. He was talking about one of his uh, late relatives. And I wish our mom, Catherine Eugenia Finnegan Biden, were here today. She'd be so damn proud. You know, uh, she uh, allowed held such a special place in her heart, and it really did. And today uh, we carry her home in our heart, for real. We think about her all the time. And uh, coming here feels like uh, coming home. So sentimentality there from Joe Biden and we have got some reaction of some people on the streets as well. Not everybody feels the same way about the president's visit. So let's take a listen to some ordinary hunters and their thoughts. Super welcome, first of all. And we don't roll in the red carpet, we're in the green part, carpet. Have a great time, Joe. Jeep, have a brilliant time. I think he's a warmonger. I think he's dreadful the way he ignores what's happening in Palestine. I think it's a very good opportunity. He's like, click in with his past and all, like, because he yeah. says he has relatives and all, like, yeah. that moved in over. Mayo and he's Me? coming to see his roots. His roots, yeah. I would like him to say that we should have a more united people and we should really tell the truth, not the lie, in our nation. He's not welcome here, sorry. Okay, so as I mentioned, we've... Uh, Minister Niall Collins in the studio with us. Uh, some mixed views there from ordinary people. Are you surprised to hear people being negative about the visit of Joe Biden? Um, I am. I, I think when I when I speak to people, I get um, a far greater uh, spread of reactions. Um, but I think we have to put it all into context. There, there's a huge um, relationship between Ireland and the United States. There's over 30 million people in the United States who claim Irish heritage. Um, there's a lot of um, commercial, societal, economic links between Ireland and the United States. We only have to look around uh, Limerick and the wider mid, mid Midwest region to see um, the influence of foreign direct investment, the very positive influence that that ha- has had on um, thousands of people uh, in our communities. For example, the Eli Lilly are developing um, a huge plant in the Raheen Business Park in in Limerick, it's a billion euro investment. There'll be about 500 jobs there, about 1,200 construction jobs over three years. Um, Does this I, mean, though, can we never raise the kind of concerns that some ordinary people raise there? No, you know, I, I, policies I, I, like I, Palestine. I, I, absolutely, and I absolutely agree with um, a, a lot of the, the criticisms which have been aired over the last number of days. For example, uh, the whole Israel-Palestine uh, issue. I've been to Israel and Palestine um it's it's an awful situation um america has a big influence there um i'd like to see a recalibrating of that uh, influence there um a rebalancing uh, of equity and fairness between the two communities there between israel and palestine um you know there's lots of injustices around the world um not all of america's making um but but, but i but think many would believe that some are oh absolutely absolutely and people are entitled to their opinions and uh, American foreign policy is 
just that. It's it's up to America uh, to decide on their foreign policy. Obviously, we have an opinion in relation to that. I've just given you my own opinion, for example, in relation to um, you know the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, but I think this trip, the focus of the, on this trip is the relationship between Ireland and the US. Uh, obviously, the Good Friday Agreement, the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, and there are issues uh, around that. We, we have, as a small island nation in the globe, um, unprecedented access to the United States at the highest level. We see that, which culminates every year on the St. Patrick's Day, um, the annual St. Patrick's Day visit uh, to the White House. And I, I think we have to, as a small, as I said again, uh, and hate describing ourselves as that, but uh, as, a, as an island nation um, with a population of 5 million euros, um, we have to use every advantage that we can accrue and that we can avail of uh, to broaden our, our own horizons and to look after our own interests first. And presumably this is getting great coverage back in the States as well. And it's, <coughs> it's shining a, a light on us once again and just putting us on a platform that other countries just don't get. Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there are so many other countries around the world, um, smaller than us, the same size as us, bigger than us, Um who envy the influence that we have, but I think a lot of it goes down to our diaspora, which are are present in the United Mm. States, as I said, over 30 million people. We have about 72 million people globally who claim Irish heritage. About 32 32 million uh, of the 72 um, live in the United States. So about half of our Irish diaspora live in the United States and and people, um, you know, are are very prominent in uh, all aspects of life in the United States. And that's a positivity uh, which I think we we gain uh, a lot of benefit from as as a, as a nation and as a people, and I think we need to continue to work on that every day of the week. And you'll be there when he addresses the uh, houses of the Oireachtas. Yeah, so it's a big w- occasion, a lot of pomp and ceremony, and it, it's a, it's a very like big occasion. Yeah. Um, when when I leave here, I'm going to go on the road to Dublin. Um, there's been seven presidents of the United States have visited Ireland over the years. Uh, Joe Biden is the fourth American president to to address the a joint sitting of the Dáil and Shannad. Uh, pre- previously, uh, John F. Kennedy, of course, Ronald Reagan and uh, Bill Clinton and, and today uh, Joe Biden. And there's a huge entourage travelling. Um, trying to work out who were the three who didn't address. So it would be Richard Nixon, um, George Bush, George W. Bush. Yeah. And who? Uh, maybe Jimmy Carter. OK. Uh, I'm not certain of that. Yeah. But um, like the, the size of the entourage which is travelling, uh, the party which is travelling with, with Bill, with, with Joe Biden, I, I think is hugely significant also. His, uh, his sec- two secretaries of state um, for, for, for foreign policy and for uh, agriculture, uh, very, very significant. We're an agricultural nation also. Uh, his own family, a number of members of Congress, I think seven members of Congress have travelled as well. So it's a very high-powered uh, delegation which is travelling. And there'll be a, there'll be a lot of... What about the gaffes? No, you know, because they are getting a bit of media attention, right? Um, and him putting his foot in it. Now... When Donald Trump was president, and this is the point a lot of people are making, that whenever he made a gaffe, it was a huge deal. Whereas kind of when Joe Biden makes it, it's kind of uh, like the friendly owl uncle putting his foot in it, saying the wrong thing. Yeah, I I suppose, look, I mean, um, there's there's real intense spotlight on leaders when they travel uh, to foreign jurisdictions, particularly the the bigger the leader, the the more intense the the scrutiny. Um, Our own leaders travel abroad and we had, I think, Leo Varadkar said something uh, that he apologised for on our recent, uh, on his recent trip to to the United States. So, you know, I suppose everybody's human at the end of the day. Um, People love to pile in on top of Donald Trump when, when they had him in the corner. 
But look, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. It, this isn't what they're going to be remembered for, in my opinion. I, I think the, the the big takeaway from the trip is um, the 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 unbelievable relationship that the two uh, countries between Ireland and look. the United States that we have that we enjoy and that I think we have to to continue to work on. Uh, we are neighbours. We're separated by the Atlantic. We always talk about our nearest neighbour being the United Kingdom. Uh, and look where they are now in terms of the, the political space that they are in post-Brexit. They have a lot of challenges if you look at the very different space that Ireland is in now um, uh, in comparison to the United Kingdom. I think we're in a very, very good space. OK, well, we're going to move on because you're here this morning to talk about the backlog for driving tests. And uh, 75 additional drivers are to be hired by the road safety authorities, which will bring the total number of testers um, to over 200. But is it going to be enough? Now, um, do you have any idea how long people are you hearing from your constituents, how long people are waiting for a driving test at the moment? Yeah, it's it's a really huge issue. Um I would say every week I have maybe a dozen inquiries into my constituency office, people who are really, really concerned about accessing the, the driving test, driver testing um, system because um, they're, they're caught in a backlog. They need to have a test for a job, uh, for family, for personal reasons. Um, this has proven to be a huge, huge uh, issue and, and more than an inconvenience, if I could describe it like that, to people, uh, particularly over the last few months. And Typically, it, how long are they waiting? Uh some people can be waiting for, for up to six months. It's, it's just really not acceptable. Um, you know, we, we try to assist them. We try to advise them. Sometimes we can be successful in, in getting people cancellations and advise them how to, mm. how to apply for, for a cancellation. Uh, and in fairness to the RSA, they're trying to manage it. They have a protocol in place uh, whilst uh, they find themselves constrained to have a protocol in place in terms of uh, who they can give priority to. Um, and I think that has been helpful. And but if you need it for work, for example, does that increase it, your chances of being moved moved up the queue? It, it does. And again, depending on the type of job that you're doing, if you're if you're going into the emergency services, if you're okay. if you're uh, do, if you can demonstrate to to the RSA that um, you you have a job pending. Um, pending a test, pending obviously the the, the production of a of a driver license uh, as part of the the job screening process. But but I think. Um, the, the driver tested the whole driver testing system is one of the is one of the last victims of the COVID lockdown. Uh, you know, for example, we had issues with the airports baggage handling. We had issues with the hospitality sector trying to you know open itself up, revamp, get their capacity back in terms of having staff to to run uh, our hosp uh, our, our hospitality hotels and restaurants. And the driver testing uh, system we had it also, for example, in the passport office, huge issues last year. Um, and trying to ramp up that system again. This, this is the same. There was 30, um, 30 additional drivers were hired last year and they're now in place. And, and this additional 75, bringing the total number to over 40, over 200, um, will be up and running by October. So we have 41 test centres around the country. And what I'll be impressing on, on the Minister for Transport and, and my colleague Jack Chambers will be uh, the spread of the additional uh, testers. I don't want to see them all just being Dublin based because, OK, most of the population in Dublin and the East Coast, I, I'll be looking for uh, at least uh, uh, an even uh, spread uh, in, in the initial allocation into every tester centre to make sure that the pressure and the backlog is taken off oh. every test centre around the country. Well, I'm sure you know James Dillon, uh, driving instructor in County Limerick, a regular here on Limerick today. He's been talking about these extra driving testers and saying some of the, the same sorts of things. Let's take a listen. Well, there definitely is a massive backlog for driving tests. I mean, 
the latest information we have it's uh, this is on the ground floor with people feedback from people they're telling me it's six months minimum of a waiting list for Limerick or Newcastle West and that that's the current state um at the moment in in, in the Limerick area that is quite high, isn't it? When you look at this number of testers, so they're going to bring in another 75, do you see that making a difference? 75 new testers to cover 40 test centres throughout Ireland. Uh, and 75 of those testers, some coming from backgrounds that have nothing to do with driving assessment, but that's the story for another day. Um, I would hope that uh, at least every single test centre gets one new tester. But we have to understand a couple of things. New testers will be on contract maximum of 22 months. So will the backlog be significantly reduced within 22 months? That's a question that remains to be seen. When you go back to 2006, there was a big drive based on the fact we had a massive backlog in the industry back in 2006 again. Um, there was a big drive by the government and they uh, hired a separate company um, which pro- which uh, provided testers, new testers, additional testers and more test centres um, throughout the country. It took two years of massive amounts of uh, contract testers, we called them at the time, and new test centres to over a two-year period to get rid of the backlog. So what you're talking about is a significantly uh, a greater amount of testers than what is suggested now, 75, for 22 months. Because if it goes after 22 months, they have to be um, made full-time. And they're not going to do that. I, I know that for a fact. Um, so they did get rid of the backlog back in, in, in uh, 2006 over a period of two years. Okay. So this is kind of a like a slow and steady approach, really, is what you're saying. There is no quick fix. The whole process um, in terms of the driving test um, in Ireland... It, it, it's there's there's big problems. There's massive changes have to be made into in the industry. When you actually look at last year, 2022, 53% of people on average doing the driving test passed. So nearly half of people failed. And if you go back to 2018, 52% was the pass rate. 2014, 53%, 2010, 50%, and 2008, 56, 57%. So there hasn't really been an, a, an, an improvement in the standards of people going for the driving test. And the actual test itself hasn't changed in 50 years. Niall, that's quite surprising, really. I mean, that almost half of people are failing, given the fact that now, you know, you can't just get your mammy and daddy to teach you to drive. You have to take the 12 obligatory lessons. And that's going to add to the backlog as well, because those people are going to have to sit the test again. 
Absolutely, but um, you know, we we have to bear in mind uh, the whole purpose of a driver's license and the lessons and the driver test is to try and promote and enhance and uphold road safety. So um, the the fact that about fifty percent of people are failing the test and have to resit the test, um, I, I think points to to the fact that we have a system which, at the heart of it, has um, an intense focus on rules of the road, road safety, driver etiquette, driver behaviour, um, anticipation of danger, all all of the aspects of driving. Uh, I don't think it's that we've poor instructors. Like, I'm just worried. He, he mentioned concerns there, James Dillon's, uh, about the type of people that are going to get these 75 positions and whether they'll have the right experience and then saying that they're not going to be held on beyond 22 months. So, Well, we, we don't know that. Um, we have a growing population. We have a, we have a, a huge uh, young population. Um, there's been an increase in the number of applications in um, 2022. I think we were 28% higher than 2021, and that was about uh, also about 27% higher than 2018, which which was pre-COVID. So it's a very, very busy space, but we, we just have to look at, um, we all travel the roads, I travel the roads, you travel the roads uh, every day. The, the number of vehicles on the road, on the road has increased um, exponentially over the last number of years. Um, so at the heart of all of this has to be standards um, and road safety. Um, it, it's about saving lives. We see the various road safety campaigns which get rolled out um, by Angarda Chiacana, uh, particularly every bank holiday weekend. We saw the awful tragedy um, again um, just this past weekend, which happened in Hedford in North mm-hmm. County Galway. Uh, truly horrific. Um, so, I, I, you know, uh, I, I would take... The, the figures which were quoted there by James in terms of the, the pass and the failure rate um, to me would indicate a degree of consistency over the years in terms of, you know, there hasn't been a huge um, spike um, in, in uh, or, or, you know, there hasn't been a huge fluctuation in the pass fail rate um, and that, that to me would indi- indicate consistency. I do think myself and I, I, I have this experience from my own son who's in, in the middle of doing his, his 12 driving lessons um, I think it's quite structured. Um, I think the the whole approach in terms of having your 12 lessons, I know there is a cost issue in relation to it, but um, there is a cost to driving. Um, yeah, and actually that's it, funny it, it, because it, we've had a, a text in here from Laura who says that it is quite expensive. You have 45 euros for your theory test, another 20 for an official eyesight report, 12 lessons that can cost up to 60 euros a pop. Uh, but some are 30 or 40, she says. And she says, is it possible to make it any cheaper? Yeah, well, I, I suppose if there was more testers, or sorry, if there was more driving instructors, that, that's a marketplace um, That's a marketplace calculation, supply and demand. Um, but I do think it, it's, it's good that there is a, a choice out there that people, that there is availability of testers. I don't, or sorry, of instructors. I don't have um, young people contacting me telling me that they're, they're not able to get uh, driving lessons. Um, the fact that people are able to get behind the wheel and receive instruction, I think, is really, really good and progressive. Look, I mean, the cost, I, I, I accept the points which are made in relation to the cost, but um, driving is not, uh, you know, dr- dr- driving is an expensive, mm. um, you know, it's an expensive mode of transport. Uh, cars are expensive. Insurance is expensive. There's a lot going on in the insurance industry. The government has had a whole um, programme of, of reform, as you know, particularly um, around insurance. And uh, one of, when we talk to the 
when we talk to the insurance industry and the insurance companies, they tell us one of the biggest risk cohorts are obviously younger, more mm. inexperienced drivers. So um, it's just one of those spaces that has to have uh, a lot of structure and, and a lot of instruction around it. We have to leave it there for this morning, Minister, but will you be able to let us know when w- these 75 places are allocated, whether Limerick has got any of these extra I will, instructors? I will, okay. I, I will absolutely. Um, and James reiterated the point that I made there. I'll, I'll be absolutely um, advocating and speaking with the Minister for Transport, Jack Chambers, that uh, the Limerick, the two Limerick test centres uh, at least receive one, ex- one extra uh, driver tester each uh, as with every other uh, centre okay. around the country Alright, well give Thank our you. best to POTUS today if you're having a word with them Your views, your news Your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95